Support for IPR comes from Des Moines Metro Opera, whose 2024 season features The Barber of Seville, Zalame, Peleus and Melisande, and American Apollo, June 28th through July 21st. Tickets available now at DesMoinesMetroOpera.org. It's an encore edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe. The last two years have been a strange time in so many ways. Amidst all the chaos, hardship, and loss, for a lot of us, our social lives haven't really been a top priority. At the same time, the pandemic has shown many of us how important friendships are in our lives and how we hunger for contact and connection. This hour, we're going to talk about the importance of friendship in our adult lives and rekindling friendships that may have fizzled due to the pandemic or other life circumstances. Later in the hour, I'll talk with Stacey McElroy-Heltzel, Assistant Professor of Counseling Psychology at the University of Iowa, and Becky Smoke, Leadership Consultant and Founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen. But my first guest is Anne Friedman. She is a writer, editor, and journalist, and friendship has been one of her main beats. For years, she has co-hosted the podcast Call Your Girlfriend with one of her best friends, Aminatu So, and she and So also co-wrote a book together called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. And she also grew up in Dubuque, Iowa. Hello, Anne. Good morning, Charity. Welcome back to the show. And now, of course, we have talked about your friendship with Aminatu and your feelings about friendship, your research about friendship on the program in the past. But for people who haven't listened to those interviews, let's do a little bit of review. When did you really have that epiphany that adult friendship was important in your life and was going to need some work? Oh, I don't know if I'd call it an epiphany, but um, maybe a slowly unfolding truth is a better description. I mean, Aminatu and I became friends in 2009, I want to say. I mean, sometimes it's like, how long ago? <laughs> when someone is such a part of your life, it can be hard to put dates on these things. Um, but, you know, we really realized through both our friendship and then through some of the conversations we were having for our podcast that our friendship was one of the primary ways that we not only um, learned about ourselves, you know, um, had, had this mirror held up to what was happening in our lives by the other, but the way we were really growing, engaging with the wider world, feeling supported, you know, just this really interesting wide array of things. And um, that's something that we eventually explored um, in Big Friendship. Yeah. And you also have maintained a long distance friendship for many years now. So you have shared through the podcast and through the book that you have had to be very mindful about investing in this relationship. Tell me a little bit more. Uh, it's true. When someone is not part of your daily routine in a pleasant, in a present physical way, it can be really tough sometimes to make time for them. I mean, nobody has enough time for all the people they love. And um, really understanding that friendship is a relationship worth prioritizing it well into adulthood is not something most of us bring to expect. You know, we sort of expect that we'll have to spend a lot of time and, you know, make sure our romantic relationships are healthy and that, you know, uh, we are caring for our children and we're investing in, you know, our community, our religious communities. Like, you know, we're not always thinking, hey, friendship is something that needs attention. It's sort of the set it and forget it part of our lives. And for us, um, being long distance friends did require some intention. You know, we had to rethink, how are we going to have those deep conversations if we are not casually part of each other's lives anymore? And, you know, we said so many times that we were grateful for years of long distance friendship experience. And the pandemic happened because essentially for a large portion of it, 
for many people still today, all friendships are kind of distance friendships, you know? I mean, we our routines have been upended, you know, not safe or practical together in the same ways we were before. And we are all trying to figure out um, what does it look like to see each other's lives when we can't do exactly what our friendship was built on. Absolutely. And I've been thinking not just about some of the the deeper friendships in my life that have been interrupted because you don't have those casual interactions, but also some of those more incidental friendships. You know, the people that you love to sit next to at the football game at your kid's high school, except that that wasn't happening. And, you know, the people that you love to see at your kid's band concert or the people that you run into on a day-to-day basis. I know that a lot of people experience this. Uh, when they become empty nesters. But I think all of us have been empty nesters in some ways over the last two years. Uh, I relate to that so much. I have missed my casual acquaintances more than I would have ever believed if you told me. Um, And, you know, there's interesting research about this. Some of the experts who we talked to for the book said those um, more casual connections, you know, exactly the example you gave of maybe someone you sit next to all the time at, like, your kid's events. Those people um, have a lot of potential. You know, we don't actually know whether they have um, maybe the compatibility or the interest in becoming a more, I don't know, intimate, long-term friend because um, life, life is too busy to explore it. And as you say, when maybe those relationships or circumstances change, that's the moment people are like, oh, I really miss that person. Or actually, I thought we were pretty close, but I'm not missing them at all. You know, I mean, both conclusions are possible. And so we are kind of collectively going through that, assessing whether the people we were seeing as a result of our circumstances are people we want to intentionally see now that, you know, maybe we're coming back into the world in a different way. I I will say that I have embarrassed myself with my exuberance at running into a couple of those people that I have missed so much. And we just, you know, we're friends, but we don't we don't make time for each other in our lives. They have full lives. I have a full life. Uh, I don't know. It, It can be it can be a little overwhelming at times. But let's talk, before I have to let you go, let's talk about what you have learned, because you have done deep research about friendship, not just through living your own friendships and and this wonderful relationship that you've shared with so much, so many of us with Aminatu, but also just the value of friendship in our lives, because I think that it's something that a lot of us don't invest in. We invest in our romantic relationships. We invest in our kids. Maybe we invest in our relationships with our parents, maybe our siblings. But these friendship relationships are the ones that don't get the work. What what do we know about how valuable they can be to our health and happiness? Uh, I mean, I think just some of the experience we've all been having while friendship has been maybe a little more remote for us the past two years are an indication of how important it really is. I mean, I, in the kind of pre-vaccination days when I was really not seeing anyone I was close to except for maybe, you know, the occasional walk or phone call, I felt more distant from myself. You know, I mean, some part of the way I understand what's happening to me in the world is through these intimate conversations. And, you know, I love my partner I, who, who I live with. Um, I, I love the work I do. And, but friendship really brings a specific kind of fulfillment and um, a really special way of feeling intimately known by someone who 
doesn't, maybe doesn't carry the baggage of your family upbringing or doesn't have the implications of, oh, we should be working here. Um, and, and that is really something that, like, I think you see the rewards over time. I am constantly surprised by how wonderful it feels to make an inside joke that's 20 years old with one of my, my closest friends. You know, like that kind of humor and that feeling of connection and being known is something that um, is really available to all of us outside a romantic relationship. It's available through friendship. It's not just a family connection. And that is something that feels really worth investing in um, to me. Well, and you made an allusion to to work relationships as well. And I mean, particularly early in my adult life, those were the the relationships that I had. I worked all the time. And so I was friends with the people that I worked with, but I didn't invest in those relationships outside of work. It was really easy to take them for granted. And now with work changing as well, so many Mm -hmm. people spending more time in isolation, I can imagine that a lot of us are missing those friendships too. Uh, I absolutely I think that everything I said about the sort of your kids friends parents sitting next to you on the bleachers all of that applies to work friends too you know it's a circumstantial connection that you have to invest in, in a different way if you want it to, to flourish in a different way and you know one thing that um, Aminatu and I have talked about a lot as we discuss this book is that there is um, a feeling or an idea that most of us get that friendship is something we invest in when we're young. Um, You know, it's really important to make friends when you're growing up and, you know, maybe through college, but it is not something we expect to have to do over and over again. And the pandemic is really just one in a series of big upheavals that most of us will go through in our lives. I mean, the exception with the pandemic is that we're kind of all going through it at the same time as opposed to maybe a divorce or moving away or an illness or some other big life change. And it's, I think, really healthy to think about friendship as something that, you know, you might not be able to give it 100% every single day, but over your lifetime, if you want to have close friends, you're probably going to have to think about how to invest and reinvest in those relationships as your circumstances change. Well, and it's interesting too to think about how some of us have held on to these lifelong friendships from our childhoods. Social media has made that a lot easier. But I'll I'll just say, I hope I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings here. But, you know, a lot of the people that I was close to in my childhood, they don't necessarily share the same interests and values that I have today. So, I mean, I I have needed different friends for different phases of my life. That's right. And, um, you know, we we are all constantly changing and evolving as adults. I mean, it might not always feel that way. Again, we're in this moment where I don't know if anyone feels exactly the same as they felt before this pandemic began. So we have this example of we can see, you know, the kinds of people we connect with might change. Our interests might change. The, the ways we like to see our friends and the ways we feel connected might change. And you're right. I mean, sometimes that it, it's going to require different friends. Like the same person might not fit in this phase of our lives. And, you know, that is, I think, something that can be really painful um, when, when only one person feels that way. But also it can be something that's really exciting, you know, thinking about, oh, actually, you know, that person who I miss seeing in a casual way, I am going to reach out intentionally and say, you know what? I miss you. I would love to see you on purpose. Like, can we take a walk once a week? Can we have a phone catch up more regularly? And that, that is um, something that makes me like excited about coming into this new, 
you know, phase as we hopefully are getting the pandemic. Well, Anne, stay with us. Actually, we're going to hang up and reconnect in just a moment, hopefully get a little bit clearer phone line, but stay with us for a few more minutes. Anne Friedman is here. She is a writer, editor, and journalist, and she's also been the co-host of the podcast Call Your Girlfriend for many years with one of her best friends, Aminatu So, and she and So also co-wrote a book together called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. We're going to talk more about friendship, about rekindling relationships, about the importance of friendships, about knowing when it's time to let go of a friendship, perhaps. And you can join the conversation. Tell us about your experiences, your frustrations. 866-780-9100 is the number to call or email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. This is Talk of Iowa. Support for IPR comes from Des Moines Metro Opera, whose 2024 season features The Barber of Seville, Zalame, Peleus and Melisande, and American Apollo, June 28th through July 21st. Tickets available now at DesMoinesMetroOpera.org. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This hour, we're talking about friendship, the importance of friendship in our adult lives, rekindling friendships that maybe we have allowed to fizzle because of the pandemic or other circumstances of life. Also, we'll talk about when it's time to let a friendship go. Coming up in just a few minutes, uh, Stacey McElroy-Heltzel will be here, Assistant Professor of Counseling Psychology at the University of Iowa, and Becky Smoke, Leadership Consultant and Founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen. With me for a few more minutes is Anne Friedman. She is a writer, editor, and journalist. And for years, she has co-hosted the podcast Call Your Girlfriend with one of her closest friends, Aminatu So. She and So also co-wrote a book together called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. And before I let you go, Anne, I want to talk for just a moment about vulnerability because that's one of the big things when we reach out to someone because we want to be closer to them or we want to rekindle a friendship. We really do have to make ourselves vulnerable. Talk me through that. How how do you deal with that? Because that makes a lot of people really nervous. And and rightfully so. You know, I mean, one, one thing that has stuck with me that we heard from an expert was that um, unlike maybe a marriage or a family relationship where saying what you want is um, kind of de-risked because you know that person isn't going to run out the door right away. They'll at least stick around for the conversation. We have this idea that if friendship isn't easy, it's not worth it. And if we're, you know, initiating a conversation, that means we're making it tough. And maybe someone is not going to want to be in this friendship at all because it's requiring work. Um, In reality, I think people are often relieved when their friend is the one to raise the fact that, like, hey, things have felt weird lately or, you know, hey, I really would love to spend more time with you. I mean, we we talk a lot about how um, social initiators, who are those people who are having folks over for dinner or the ones who are saying, hey, we should take a little weekend trip or get together or stick around um, after this event and hang out a little longer. Those people um, are really necessary. You know, everyone loves to be en- invited to something. And I think, um, you know, if you have that perspective rather than the, the risk mentality of it's really hard to be the one extending a hand, it, 
it is a little bit easier. I mean, um, someone's got to make the first move. And um, really, I think most adults are pretty kind in responding to a really sincere desire for greater connection. And, um, and that's something that I always try to keep in mind. The Your Podcast, Call Your Girlfriend, has been uh, communicating <laughs> with listeners now for, for about, is it nine years? But you, Aminatu, and your editor, you've decided that it's time to say goodbye. Why did you decide now was the moment? Oh, there are a lot of reasons. And I think each of us have our own, you know, maybe professional things going on and emotional things going on. But it was truly a mutual decision. You know, when when people have um, the fabled amicable divorce, that's kind of how it feels where we are. We're really saying, look, like this was a beautiful project we all did together for eight years. And we are you know, sunsetting that professional collaboration, but we are going to still be friends. I mean, both of these women are on the first page of my texts every single day. They are people I'm on the phone with. They're people I see in person. And it's actually really exciting to me to think about, you know, the way that work has infused our friendship for so many years. Like what happens when, when work is, is gone? Like what happens when we can just be friends again and, and maybe not talk about it in radio interviews and just live it? <laughs> I mean, that sounds really exciting to me. And so I think, you know, we all three decided it was the right time for that. And, um, you know, as as you say, it's a moment for of great change in friendship. And this just happens to be our flavor. Well, best of luck to you. And thank you for sharing your friendship so much with us over all of these years. And thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Ann Friedman, she has co-hosted the podcast Call Your Girlfriend with one of her closest friends, Aminatu So. They also wrote a book together called Big Friendship, How We Keep Each Other Close. And even though the podcast is ending, of course, you can listen to many, many, many episodes of that wherever you get your podcasts. This hour, we are talking about friendship, the importance of friendship in our adult lives, some of the challenges we've been facing with friendships during the pandemic, and talking about rekindling these relationships I've heard from a bunch of listeners so far. Pamela in Ames says, I've reconnected with a bunch of girlfriends from my college years. After decades with just an occasional contact here and there, we are now meeting regularly for Zoom visits and supporting each other through various life changes, such as kids leaving for college, impending retirement, parents becoming old and needing various kinds of support. It's been really wonderful to have them back in my life. Brent also had a similar relationship in Iowa City. He said, in the early weeks of the pandemic, my friends here in Iowa City set up Zoom happy hours every Saturday as a substitute for face-to-face gatherings. We soon expanded the invitation list to include college friends scattered around the country and overseas. In normal times, I might see some of these friends once a year or maybe only once every five years or so. As hard as the pandemic has been on all of us, one of the highlights of my week is the time spent connecting, sharing meals, mostly dinner, but for some it's a nightcap or breakfast, sometimes playing games, but mostly just being part of each other's lives. You are welcome to join the conversation as well. You can give us a call at 866-780-9100. You can email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And with me now is Stacy McElroy, Heltzel Assistant Professor of Counseling Psychology at the University of Iowa. Hello, Stacy. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being here. And of course, Anne and I were talking about some of the really unique things about this time and friendships. And I I know you've spent a lot of your time studying relationships. It feels like this has been a time for a lot of us to spend more time thinking about the relationships that we have. 
Absolutely. And some things I would add to what Anne had shared, you know, she spoke, I think, beautifully to how the pandemic has disrupted those opportunities for um, continuous unplanned interaction, right, where we're um, encountering people as we go about our day at work or in our leisure activities. A lot of that has fallen by the wayside and certainly made it harder to connect with people. A couple of other ways the pandemic has gotten in the way of friendship we know that it's had effects on people's mental health, right? So we see increases in things like depression and anxiety. One of the symptoms of depression is social withdrawal. One of the symptoms of anxiety um, is avoidance. So that can get in the way a lot of times of just being willing to connect. We may think that we don't have something to offer someone, or we might think that the other person isn't interested in hearing from us. There was also an interesting study that came out September of last year, where one in seven Americans reported ending a friendship over um, COVID vaccination status. And the same study also reported that about 16% of people had ended a friendship over opposing political views. So we're seeing an uptick in those types of differences getting in the way of connecting now too. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment. I want to go back a, a little bit to what you were saying about mental health effects and how that can cause people to withdraw. I, I think that a lot of us, as you know, we go through life, of course, our friendships kind of ebb and flow. I know that when my kids were really little, I wasn't particularly good at, at being an active friend with anybody who also didn't also have little kids. I mean, and I think a lot of people have experienced that. But we do have to give ourselves a little bit of grace for the fact that, that our lives change and our friendships might change over time, right? Absolutely. A lot of this is developmentally normal. Um, studies have shown that the number of friendships people have actually starts to decline around age 25. So if you think about it, that's around the time when people are maybe moving for jobs, maybe starting a family, and our relationship priorities start to change, right, as we become um, parents or spouses. And so, you know, there may come a point when the dust settles and we start to, um, you know, from these transitions, and we may notice that we've lost touch with people who were once important to us and um, start feeling the urge to reach out again. But we might feel guilty that we've let certain friendships go. So let's let's talk about being on that side of the coin. Maybe you have been involved in other things and stopped reaching out. It can be a little bit scary to reach out again. Do you have any wisdom to share if if it's time for you to take the first step and and connect with somebody or try to connect with somebody that maybe you do feel a little guilty about not being in touch with? Sure. Well, so one thing that can happen is we can get trapped in like a guilt spiral, right, where we feel guilty that we haven't reached out in a long time. And so we avoid doing so. And maybe that helps us feel a bit better in the moment. Um, but the longer we wait, the more we tend to feel that guilt or that anxiety about reaching out. Um, and so one thing to reflect on is, why you're wanting to reach out. Why is that relationship important to you? Um, and remember that we tend to have a negativity bias um, independent of things like depression, right? So we might expect that the other person wouldn't be happy to hear from us. But when scholars have studied this, we actually have found that the opposite is true. People tend to be really happy to hear from old friends. 
Um, so I think it is just a matter of taking that first step. It does involve some vulnerability, but um, you know, there's no reward without the risk. Of course, it's also you know, everybody's lives are going on. Everybody's got things happening in their lives. So is it important to think, okay, you know, yes, I've been involved in these things and maybe I've lost these contacts, but this person probably has been pretty busy with some things as well? Absolutely. Yeah. I think perspective taking is huge, right? So if we think about our own reasons for not having reached out and reconnected with a friend, Again, I think it's a lot of life starts happening as we become an adult. We have a lot of transitions, a lot of big moments, and the same is true for our friends. And so trying to keep in mind that it's probably that more so than any intentional cutting off um, that has gotten in the way, perhaps, of that connection. If you have felt a a friend withdrawing and, and maybe you're concerned about them dealing with depression, maybe you know that they deal with depression or anxiety or something like that. Do you have some thoughts about what you should do to reach out to someone? Because uh, people are not always going to be receptive. Sure. People might not always be receptive. But again, I think taking perspective and um, remembering that it's probably not about you, right, that they may just be struggling. They might not know what to say or how to articulate um, what they're feeling. Sometimes people are afraid of being a burden. And so I think in those times, just telling the person very, um, very explicitly, you know, I've been thinking about you. You've been on my mind. How are you doing? And if you get, oh, I'm fine, and you maybe have a sense that that's not quite true, you can say, well, but how are you really doing, right? So opening the door for that conversation and letting that person know um, that it can be a safe space. Another thing I can share quickly that's happened in some of my um, friendships where maybe we've lost connection and reconnected over the years, um, a friend has told me, you know, I really appreciate that even though we can go for long times without talking, we can always reconnect and sort of pick back up where we left off. Um, And I'm always happy to hear from you. And that's really meant a lot to me and I think motivated me to reach out and to feel safe reaching out. So again, um, not leaving people guessing how you feel about them can be really powerful. Beth says it's been really hard to move in the middle of the pandemic and have people cross the street to avoid contact rather than stop to chat. She and her partner moved away from Iowa, and she says our Iowa friends who we've left behind have been amazing to keep in touch via FaceTime and texting, but it's also been amazing to reconnect with other friends from around the country. I do still still feel very isolated, though. And and that's in contrast to an email that I we just got from Christy, who says, I've actually had an opposite experience in friendships during the pandemic. I didn't have many close friends in town due to having kids, activities, working from home, etc. But once the pandemic hit, I connected with one of my neighbors to take a walk one day. That friendship blossomed into many more friendships within our neighborhood. Our neighborhood began weekly happy hours outdoors for the adults and play dates for all of the kids. We all still get together often, even even though now we're busier with kids in school and activities that have started up again. But I'm grateful for the opportunity to get closer with them during the pandemic. And those two stories, Stacy, make me think about the importance of, of not just virtual friendships, which can be very powerful, those long distance relationships, the phone calls, that kind of thing. But what do you think we get out of face to face interactions that maybe we don't get in other ways? 
That's a great question. And I've, you know, heard lots of people speak to this, right? That connecting over Zoom is is nice, but it's just not the same. And I think many of us have been feeling that during this time. Some studies have suggested that connecting virtually makes it perhaps a little harder to read body language um, and to pick up on some of those more subtle um, messages that we might send to each other when we are in person. And so that can create maybe some confusion or some barriers to the same type of emotional intimacy that we might feel when we're in person. Um, And then I think it also gets in the way of shared activities. So many people might connect around doing something together. And of course, when you're on a screen, it's harder to actually do those things together. Um, There might be some creative ways you can try to make that happen. For example, cooking a meal together, right? That um, That's one thing that you might be able to do um, in the kitchen together over Zoom and then sharing that meal together. The that, that makes me think about how if your friendship is depending only on conversation, which, you know, comes very easily for some of us, but not as easy for others of us, that that could be a real challenge to maintaining friendships over distance or or over um, some sort of digital technology because that companionability is part of the relationship. And we haven't heard from a whole lot of men in this conversation, but to to play into a gender stereotype, that does seem to be something that, that is even more valued in a lot of male friendships. Right. And studies actually support that, um, that, you know, I mentioned earlier about the number of friendships declining around age 25. And that actually happens more quickly for men than for women. And one of the reasons scholars have theorized that that is so is because for men, it might be a little harder to engage in some of that shared vulnerability that keeps relationships going. Um, So again, People are different, and that's one of the the beauties of humanity, right? Diversity. And so figuring out a way to connect that's going to work for you and for your friend. Um, It might involve getting creative and trying to find virtual ways of doing that. Um, But I think just trying to understand the other person and honoring where they're coming from and what's important for them. We are going to take a short break. Stacy. please stay with us. Becky Smoke is going to join us in just a moment. Also, she's the founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen. Stacy McElroy-Heltzel is assistant professor of counseling psychology at the University of Iowa. We're talking about friendship this hour, rekindling relationships or the value of relationships, uh, friendship relationships in our adult lives. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about your experiences or your frustrations. Give us a call, 866-780-9111. You can also send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. More in a moment. This is Talk of Iowa. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This hour, we're talking about friendships. Of course, during the pandemic, our social lives were upended, still are upended as the pandemic continues. And a lot of us have 
lost some of our relationships. This hour, we're talking about the importance of adult friendships. We're also talking about rekindling relationships. You can also share how you've kept your friendships alive through the pandemic. We've heard from a number of people already who have found some creative ways to connect and and found a lot of value and joy in that. You can join our conversation at 866-780-9100. You can email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. With me is Stacey McElroy-Heltzel, an assistant professor of counseling psychology at the University of Iowa. And joining us now is Becky Smoke. She is a mindfulness and leadership consultant and founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen outside of Solon. Hello, Becky. Hey, thank you so much, Charity. What a wonderful show so far. Man, well, Anne and Stacy. <laughs> they've given us so many great tips. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being here, Becky. And let's talk uh, just a little bit about your experiences with adult friendship and, and some of, of your thoughts about the value that that brings into our lives. Yeah, you know, I, I have a unique perspective because my my on-site location, Becky's My Full Kitchen, outside of Iowa City, has been the location of a ton of reunions for adult friends. And I had a group of women before COVID come in, in their 80s, who've gotten together every single year since college. And being able to be a part of these uh, these memories, these moments, these events with these amazing groups of friends has really solidified to me the importance of adult friendship. However, I have a slightly different take on how I go about my friendships than I've heard so far. One thing is, is I, I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves of what friendship needs to look like. And I see friends who do get together a lot, and that's awesome. And I've done a lot of virtual events with people um, where I've hosted doing cooking classes during covid for me, with my lifestyle, it's never lent itself to a lot of in-person get-togethers. And instead, I've put a lot of value on making sure that I find other ways of staying in touch and also just being very explicit with my friends of what I look for in a friendship and making sure I know what they look for in a friendship. And so going at it for a little more of a, a, you know, a clinical thing of just being upfront of like, hey, this is what my life allows me to do the friendship right now, how does that fit with your life? And that's been really helpful. Absolutely. And I think that probably resonates with a lot of us. I know that resonates with me. I'm not a person who does a lot of social gathering, but uh, I run with friends once a week and I don't know what I would do without that time. And of course, we get together at seven o'clock in the morning, sometimes even earlier. And and so it's it's time that we as busy women with kids, with families, with jobs, we can carve out without taking away from all of the other things that we're doing. And it feels like an oasis. But so that that really resonates with me, Becky, in, in maybe finding a different way to express <laughs> friendship when, when some of the conventional ways don't really work in your lives. And uh, we were talking earlier about kinds of the 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 friends that we encounter in lives. As a mom, I'm sure that you've had that experience, you know, where you have the friends that you see at school events or the friends that you see in various ways, but they're not people that you have made the time to really connect with outside of those circumstantial relationships. Yeah, oh, I think we have friends, so many different layers of friends. And I'm I'm someone who I do use a 
the word friend a lot. I'll call someone a friend who I've actually never met before because I do believe that you can be friends with somebody. You know, you have these different levels of friendship and it's okay. And it's okay to recognize like, hey, we are friends and this is where our friendship circle is and that's fine. We don't have to be really close with everybody. And I think we put a lot of pressure on our kids to have a best friend and you need to have really close friends. And I'm somebody as a kid who I didn't have a best friend and I felt like I had failed at friendship because I never had the best friend that you see in movies and TV shows. And that some people are so lucky to have my older sister had a best friend. And then into adulthood, I had a really get to a place and I wrote about this recently of being at peace with the fact that it's okay to not have a best super close friend and it's okay to not even have a group of amazing women that you run with every week which sounds like a lot of fun uh like that's okay and giving ourselves permission as people to do what works for us and not have to fit what we think we're supposed to do I want to talk about one of the things that has been really hard during this pandemic. And Stacy, you mentioned it earlier that a lot of people have ended friendships over disagreements. And and I want to read a comment from Duffy, who has really experienced a lot of loss during the pandemic. She says, I've only seen my siblings once in two years to stay safe with all of us having health issues. My first cousin in Marshalltown just lost her 50-year-old son to COVID. Having several bubbles of friends that have been vaccinated, we can get together over food, writing poetry, creating art, and solving the world's problems. I know of 100 people who have died, or 100 people who have had COVID and 10 people who have died. And Duffy, I'm so sorry. That is so much loss and it's so hard. And I think we need to recognize that although we've all been in this together, we've all had very, very different experiences during the past two years. Stacey, do you, do you feel like that's a really important thing to to comprehend and think about as you engage with friends and maybe try to move back into seeing people in face to face. Absolutely. Um, I love that you said that, right? Because there has been so much emphasis on um, this being a shared experience, but um, we have all had really different experiences. You know, I think one thing that can get in the way sometimes when we're talking about um, you know, differing viewpoints with people and and how to navigate that is um, we might intuitively think that fact sharing is the way to go, right? That if, well, if they just have the information that I do, if they just understood what I do, um, then they would think differently. And if they don't, well, then why are they so irrational? But actually, the science has shown that um, relationships and connection is the more powerful driving force um, behind creating understanding and empathy and connection. And so leading with I statements and being able to share your experience and the reason why you've made the decisions that you've had can go a long way toward helping the person um, understand where you're coming from and maybe softening some of the defensiveness that, that people might have. It can also be really hard. I mean, Becky, I, I know that throughout the pandemic, you, you've had to navigate a lot of safety issues. You have some vulnerabilities in your family. And I, I can imagine that reconnecting with people or trying to connect with people who who don't take the dangers of COVID as seriously, that can feel like just too much. Do you have thoughts about that? 
Um, do I have? <laughs> uh, I do. Uh, will I share them? Sure. Um, here's what I think. There's a difference for me between having um, a difference in opinion versus values. And so I, I love having friends who have different opinions. That I, I really enjoy it. I like being challenged in, in what I believe in things. But when it comes to my core values, like really what anchors me, if if I have discovered, and I have um, over COVID, as so many of us have, that we have friends who really do have different values and really, those again, those core things that, that anchor us to our beliefs and, and navigate, help us navigate our day. For those people, I've really made the decision that my friendship with them, it can continue, but it's going to look different. And I don't need to rekindle it in that same way. And, and that's okay. And again, just give us permission to be like, okay, cool. I've learned something about this person. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. I am strong in my opinion that uh, kindness needs to happen regardless of someone's values or opinions. And so I will still be friendly to someone, but I have definitely backed off from some friendships. And, you know, is it sad? Yes. But when you do that, you just open up space for new friendships. I think that's equally as exciting and important. And and it sounds like you're saying to do that without rancor, without striking out, can be also a reflection of your values. Oh, 100%. There's no need. I just, it, I, <laughs> I will keep myself tempered here, um, Charity, but it's, I get very frustrated when I see how we've treated each other and people who, Again, before COVID, you would call a friend, and now you um, really don't hesitate to 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 lash out at them on social media or or even in person. And it's just it's not necessary. As what as Stacy mentioned, that's not it's not going to do anything. <laughs> it's not going to do anything. So it's best to just see them as somebody who who played a role in your life, a beautiful role, and those memories and that friendship you had pre-COVID, pre whatever has broken you apart. That, that lasts forever, and that has its own special place, and you don't have to allow what's happening now to taint the past. I, I want to get to the phones before we run out of time. BJ is on the line in Ankeny. Hi, BJ. Yes. Hi, Charity. Um, I am uh, very, uh, very close to my 80th birthday, and I treasure the friendship I have with a woman that we – both of us lived in a smaller uh, community in Ohio at one time. Um, she now lives in Pittsburgh, and I am uh, here in Ankeny. And one of the things that we have been able to do, and I think, find it really important to do, is to be very honest with each other about our our, our fears, our concerns, relationships that uh, with family members that have been not as satisfactory as we had hoped, that sort of thing. And what was really helpful um, the other day, because I am – planning to move to an assisted living facility, and I'm a little bit concerned about the cost of that. And because we have had many conversations, she said to me, you have a very good, uh, good relationship with your financial advisor. Why don't you set up an appointment with him and, and express your concerns and get his uh, perspective on things? And I just, that is such a treasure. That is such a gift. Wow. To have a friend who could say that to me, and uh, in a time when I'm, I'm really, uh, as I said, really uh, kind of struggling with, <laughs> you know, what, how do I live the end of my life in, in a way with quality and at the same time with some, some sense of, of stability and, and not be afraid of, of uh, 
making a change from an independent apartment to an assisted living facility. So, oh, BJ, um, thank just, you. I, yeah, thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. And that just sounds like a, a really beautiful expression of support and caring and which is the the basis of friendship in so many ways. Stacy, do you want to respond to to BJ's story? Sure. I think she highlighted something that is so important there when we think about friendships and, you know, if we might be thinking about um, continuing a a friendship and whether it's right for us or not. Um, But what she's really touching on there is, you know, a friend having our back, right, having our best interests at heart. Um, I think that is so crucial to a healthy friendship, that along with reciprocity. So, Um, As you're making an effort to reach out and connect with someone, do they make that same effort back to you? Um, Do, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I I will say that there have been times in in my friendships when I have thought, oh, you know what? I feel like they're doing more work than I'm doing. I need to... I need to step it up and I need to do a little bit of the work in this relationship as well. And uh, Becky, I know you've thought a a lot about that as well. The reciprocity in friendship is such an important part of of having a relationship where you can really trust and support someone. Yeah, you want to make sure, you know, you don't get stuck in those transactional friendships, though, where it's like, okay, I do something for you. Now you do it for me and we're keeping score on that. Right. Because there's going to be time that like I'm going to need a lot of help from a friend and they're not going to need much from me and just trusting that you know when they do need me to to help them they'll reach out and so making sure you don't keep score but that like you said you're not taking advantage so before we run out of time entirely, I'd love to hear from both of you. I mean, we've talked a little bit ab- about dealing with our disagreements, possible disagreements with friends, being willing to let a friendship go if uh, it's toxic in our lives. Becky, do you have a thought about investing in friendships as an adult. I mean, you've got a whole lot going on in your life with young kids and your own business and all of that. Do you think mindfully about investing in friendship relationships? I I do, because this is something I'm not always very good at. And I've had to really sit down and, and look at my friendships and recognize, okay, like, do I have room in my life? for any other friendships? Am I maintaining my current ones? And that's where I did recently reach out to some friends and say, hey, like, are we good? And, uh, you know, it was mentioned by Anne and Stacy being vulnerable, right? The importance of that, of just checking in. And instead of, like, allowing us ourselves to, like, tell, tell any of those amazing stories that we do, right? Um, but to just call. So if I, like, message you and be like, hey, Charity, like, just want to make sure, like, are we doing okay with our friendships? Do you need something more than what I'm providing right now? And it sounds silly, but it's so easy. And it's such a way to avoid miscommunication. And in two seconds, I'll tell you the fact I called a friend of mine who was going to mention about the importance of some friendships. You don't have to see each other all year, but you know that that's that friend that you call when, when things go bad and, you know, you're there for each other. And that's how I view this friend. And I realized, crap, I don't know if that's how she views me. And so I, I texted her and I hadn't texted her in seven months. And I just was like, hey, quick question. And I just lay that all out. And she's like, yes. And then she's like, are you okay? Because it was a very random text. She's like, are we good? But that's, that's what I view as the most important thing is we don't have the time, guys, to waste. So just be vulnerable. 
get to the point, be transparent. Well, and that sounds like what BJ was saying, too, to be open and honest with our friends. And Stacey, you get the final word, but you only get about 30 seconds of it. What do you think about investing in friendships and how we should do that in in a more mindful way? Sure. Well, I am so glad that you have put together this show because social connection is just such a basic human need and chronic loneliness can have detrimental effects on our health, similar um, in the way that smoking can. Um, So taking that time to invest in friendships is it's good for you. It's good for your health. It's good for you in your role as a parent um, or as a worker. Um, It will really have positive effects on all those other areas of your life. All right. So it's worth it. Stacey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Stacey McElroy-Heltzel is an assistant professor of counseling psychology at the University of Iowa. Becky Smoke, thank you. Thank you so much. Becky Smoke is a mindfulness and leadership consultant and founder of Becky's Mindful Kitchen outside of Iowa City. Talk of Iowa is a production of Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe.